Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. And this morning, my message actually um, has something to do with you being useful to God. I speak to us this morning on the subject of the man God uses. The man God uses. The man, of course, I'm speaking about the woman as well, that God will use is what I'm talking about this morning. So I'm going to ask every one of us to give me your attention. I will try my best to not do this for too long. Because at the end of it, I want us to pray. And I believe that God will give us a spirit of prayer that will be able to pray. And um, everybody sort of, our prayer this morning at the end is, God, help me to begin to see life like you see, to think like you to be somebody that you can actually just take and use. That's what we're talking about this morning. If you gave your life to Christ, let me read a couple of things to us, just reading them to us now. If you gave your life to Christ, a divine assignment awaits you. That speaks to everybody that has come to know Jesus, everybody that has a relationship with Christ. At whatever level you are, a divine assignment awaits you. I cannot do your assignment, and you will struggle with mine. What I'm trying to say with that is, as unique as we all are, our assignments are also unique. There is none of us that does not have a place that is yours, that which you're supposed to do, and there is none of us that that place is not unique. You, you will struggle with my assignment, I will struggle with yours. To show you how really important our assignments are collectively because I'm saying that you as a person you have an assignment we pull all of that together this church has an assignment in this city like every other church that God puts there if you put all of the assignments together then you see a picture of what God wants to do in the city and that's how it all spreads around God, even in heaven, depends on you, depends on me, depends on our assignments for heaven to fulfill the purpose of heaven. So even God sits in heaven and God is looking at the earth and God wants his will to be done on earth, God is not going to just impose his will on earth. Even the purpose of God being done is dependent on you is dependent on me fulfilling that which is your assignment and my assignment. To show you how very important your assignment is, even God depends on it. Your assignment, my friends, transcends you. Your assignment is bigger than you. Your assignment is way beyond what you in your mind right now might think, oh, look at me, I'm a small person. Look at me, the major needs in my life right now are these. Oh, look at me, what I want to do is this. All of those things are very small compared to God's intention for your life. God's assignment transcends you, your mindset, your thinking, your how far you can see yourself right now. Your assignment, I can say to every one of us this morning, goes way beyond that. Remember, I'm speaking to us this morning about the man that God uses. You don't, listen to this, you don't have what it takes to do your assignment, yet you have all it takes. That's a place where I want to put a selah. 
I want us to think about that. You don't have what it takes, yet you have all it takes. What I'm saying with that is in ourselves, in our abilities, in our thoughts, in our minds, in, in our brilliance, in our experience, in that which you've learned, and all of that, we do not have what it takes to fulfill our assignments in life. However, if you learned anything from this last weekend, it is that all that you require for your life, I'm sure when, when we were saying that this weekend that all that you need in life is in you, for most people, they will be thinking more about, oh, all the money I need, all the things, things that I need. But beyond all of that, we're speaking this morning about the abilities and the enablements of God that you require to fulfill your assignment is already inside you. Can I get an amen to that this morning? So what I'm saying to us is this, you don't have what it takes in you, but you have all that it takes. And what the Bible teaches us really, and I want to read that to us from 1 Thessalonians. I'm just introducing my thoughts to us right now, getting you to think along with me about this, this assignment that I have in my life. How am I going to fulfill that assignment? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verse 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verse 4. The Bible says, faithful is he that called you. Faithful is he that gave you an assignment, and you will notice who is the person that will carry out the assignment. Everybody talk to me. Look at that scripture. Who is it? Verse 24. Which thief are you seeing? Where, where? Which thief where? Okay. Verse 24. Faithful is, who is the person that called? Talk to me, people. Who is the person that called? Who is the person that is called? Talk to me, everybody, please. Who is the person that is called? Who is going to do it? This is important this morning. Who is doing the calling? Who is being called? Who is giving an assignment? Who is, who is receiving an assignment? But who is going to carry out the assignment? This, this is important to understand. This takes, it takes away the pressure from everyone of our hearts about, oh, there's an assignment. Oh, I have to do this. Faithful is he that called you, and he is only looking for a vessel through which he will do it. And at the end of the day, he does it. He only needs you and I to be available for him to use to do it. And that's why I'm asking the question this morning, um, who is the man that God can use? Because really the man that fulfills his assignment on earth is the one that God finds available to use. Because at the end of the day, I can't do anything, you can't do anything. God alone is the one that can do something. But God is limited here on earth because he needs a vessel to use. And so God is always looking for somebody that he can use. I'll say to us as I press on a little bit this morning that many people live and die without fulfilling the purpose of God even though they may have had a lot of earthly success. They may have had a lot of, we look at them physically and we think, oh, that's a successful man. 
He has lived. He has made money. He has done things. He has had children. He has done all of that. He has uh, had position. He's had respect in society. And he look, you look at him and you say, that's a, that's a very successful man, earthly speaking. But he has lived and he has died and he has not fulfilled his assignment. And in the eyes of heaven, that's a failure. Because God never, not because God thought, I'm never going to give him an assignment or anything. God never found him to be useful such that through him, God could do something. And my goal this morning really is to help us to see that to fulfill your purpose in life, to fulfill your assignment, your God-given assignment in life, you require the hand of God. And that hand of God, God is looking for people through whom he can show his hand. Do I make sense up to that point this morning? If you understand me up to that point, then the rest of what I'm saying in a few minutes will be very simple. And that's the, this is the question. What are the attributes of the man that God uses? That hand of God that is required to take a man and help a man to fulfill purpose. And help a man to do what the God has made the man or the woman to do. That hand of God, what determines, what are the attributes of the man that God uses? I want to give us very quickly this morning six attributes of the man that God uses. I'll, I'll try to do this very quickly. I'll read a few scriptures. I'll read a few things. But I believe that the Holy Spirit himself will help me to teach it to our hearts that everybody understands, okay? If I'm going to be the man that God uses, these things need to be in my life. Number one, the attribute of the man that God uses, the first attribute is he is dead. Look at your neighbor for me. Say, he is dead. That man that God uses, he or she is dead. God only uses the dead. Can I say that one more time this morning? God only uses the dead. I'm going to use an illustration. I'm going to try to teach something here. To help, me under, help us understand this concept of God only using the dead. Exodus 33, let, let, let's, do, let's look at verse 18, and then we'll look at verse 20. Please follow along with me. I, I, I want us to sort of get this properly. Exodus 18. Who is, who is speaking here? Moses. So Moses is talking to who? Talk to me, everybody, please. God, Moses is talking to who? And Moses said to God, I beseech thee, show me your what? Show me, show me your glory. I want to see you in the fullness of your glory. That's what Moses said to God. Go to verse 20. Verse 20. Verse 20. Who is speaking here? God is talking. And God said to Moses, thou cannot see my face. For there shall no man see me and, and do what? So what is God saying to Moses? God is saying to Moses, if you see me, you are going to die. In the Old Testament, everything, practically everything was physical. So when God, when people heard God's voice in the Old Testament, they heard God's voice physically. When we hear God's voice today, we hear him spiritually in our hearts. Amen. In the Old Testament, the temple was a physical building. Today, the temple is our spiritual body. 
So everything we see in the Old Testament is a physical representation of a New Testament spiritual reality. Amen. So when Moses stood before God and said, God, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. I want to see your face. Moses was asking God to see God physically. Because everything in the old was physical. And God responded to Moses and says to Moses, if you see my face, you will die. Now let me ask you a question here. When God said to Moses, if you see my face, you will die, was God saying he was going to die spiritually or die physically? Physically. If the man was looking to see God physically, and God said, if you see me physically, you will die physically. The same thing now transcends into the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's that same hunger. Listen to me closely, everybody. There's something that brought Moses to that point. When Moses says, God, I want to see you. That same hunger is what God builds in you and I today. The same way Moses goes to God and says, God, show yourself to me. It's the same way every serious Christian today goes to God and says, I want to see you. But when I ask to see God today, I'm not asking like Moses. I'm not wanting to see him physically. I'm not wanting to see a physical representation. I want him to reveal himself to my heart. Are you with me this morning? And God is giving the same answer that he gave to Moses. And God is saying, if you see me, you will die. The same thing still applies. But if I see him now, what happens is this, this self dies. Amen. So I want us to begin to, to, to look at it that way. In the Old Testament, it was physical. Now it's spiritual. So the same way Moses would die if he saw him physically, every time, listen closely, every time God shows himself to you as a child of God today, you are dying. When we see him, we die. I don't know if that makes sense to you this morning. When we see him, we die. When we see him, we die. <laughs> Every day. So I said to you that the, 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 this, the, the same hunger that drove Moses to ask that is driving men, men that God will use. The first thing that begins to happen with you is that you begin to have this hunger for God. You begin to have this hunger. I want to see God. I want to know God. I, I want to come into his presence. If you don't have, listen closely, if you don't have any hunger in you, if church for you is just, there's nothing, I can tell you, you are not yet in the place that God can use you. Because before he can use you, you have to die. And before you die, you see him. And you see him as there is this hunger inside you to see him. So you can tell. If somebody is not really hungry for God, not really hungry for anything, you can tell it. I see it in church every day. I see it among people every time. But I see also when a man's life in God is about to begin to change, the first thing that happens is that man becomes hungry for more of God. That man's demeanor in worship changes. That man's demon in the place of prayer changes. That man's attitude to things of God changes. And the man is looking for God. And as he begins to look for God, as he begins to see God, he begins to die. Everybody say with me this morning, I see the Lord. Most church people, and it's, it's a pain, most church people have never seen the Lord. They've seen the pastor. They've seen the church. They've seen the choir. <laughs> I pray for you that you will see the Lord in this post-convention period in the name of Jesus. Amen. The man that God uses dies. 
The man that God uses ceases to exist. <laughs> the man that God uses gives self, gives way. Self, me. Self gives way. Self is out of the way. Moses came to a point in his walk with God where he said, God, kill me instead of these people. Self is out of the way. <laughs> the living sacrifice must be dead. I hope you understand some of these things this morning. John chapter 3, verse 30. Just one or two scriptures to put at the back of this this morning. John the Baptist was going through this process of dying. And he, he began to speak about Jesus. I mean, John the Baptist was a big guy. In his days, when he began to preach, there was no other preacher like him. It was, it was this guy that had locust and, and whatever in the, in the wilderness. And he was the preacher of the day. Then a point came in his life. He said, he, Jesus, must increase. But I said to you this morning, if he will increase, where, which space are we going to put him? So John the Baptist said, for him to increase, I must decrease. If I don't die, there's no space for him. I, I, I do hope that God speaks this to your spirit this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 9, just one more scripture I'll put to this. I'll go to number 2. The first thing about the man that God uses is that the man dies. He dies. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. The Bible says this is Jesus talking. And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me. We can read that this morning. Is If any man will fulfill his assignment. If any man will be used of God. Is the hand, if the hand of God will come upon any man. He says, let that man deny himself. That's death right there. He says, let that man take up his cross daily and follow me. Everybody will agree with me. The cross speaks about death. The cross is only about a party. The cross is death. If you understood what I just said about the man that God uses is dead, can you just give me an amen right there? Amen. Very good. Number two. Number two, three, and four are together. I'll read a scripture in Isaiah 66 in a minute. Remember, what we're talking about this morning is you have an assignment of God, but that assignment of God is not something you can do. You will never be able to carry out your assignment. You will never be a fulfilled person by yourself. Only God himself can do it. So he needs his hand. And so that God is looking for, who can I use? Can I use you? I've given you an assignment, but can I use you? And we're thinking about this morning, which man can God use? And the things that God wants to do in our city, the kind of things that God wants to do in our, in our church and all that, is looking for people that are totally, absolutely available for him to use. And so he's calling my attention to, I don't just use anybody. There are things I'm looking for when I use people. And the first of them is the man must be dead. The second of them, the second, third, and fourth this morning, the second is the man must be humble. I'll speak about that. The third one is the man must have a contrite heart. I'll speak about that. And the fourth one is the man must be somebody who trembles at the voice of God, trembles at the instruction of God. So leave space in your notes for each of those. And let's go and read in Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, I read verse 1 and verse 2, because from verse 2, in that verse there, God gave us, in one verse, three things that determines the man that he uses. And I want us to look at that very closely this morning, as the Holy Spirit himself teaches us in the name of Jesus. Isaiah 66, everybody go there, turn in there in your Bible. Verse 1, the very last chapter of the book of Isaiah. It says, thus says the Lord... 
The heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you built unto me? And where is the place of my rest? What God is trying to say in verse 1 there is, you know, sometimes we, some of us will do something small for God. Maybe you've worked hard, you've done something, or you give. Maybe you give some money in church or something, and you feel, begin to feel like you are somebody. So God is reminding them. He says, the heaven is my throne, the earth, and all of the resources on earth is my footstool. So he's asking them, he says, where is the house you will build to me? Does everybody understand the tone of God in that verse there? So who are you? I'm talking, you are talking. So then he goes on. In that bigness, if you like, of God, where God says, the earth is my footstool. He gets into verse 2. He says, for all of those things at my hand made, as big as I am, he says, and all of those things have been, they've been there, says the Lord. He says, but to this man will I look. How many people want God to look at them this morning? <laughs> he says, but to this man will I look. And he gave three things. He says, I'll look to the man in the King James. He says, the man that is poor, he's not talking about the man that cannot pay his bills. That's humility. That's the man that is humble. He says, the man that is of a contrite spirit and the man that trembles at my word. So those make my number two, my number three, and number four. So let's look at them very quickly. Number two thing about the man that God uses is that that man is humble. Humility, my friends, is a state of the heart. Humility is a state of the heart. There can be a man, I think you've heard me say this to us many times, there can be a man who is, his, his circumstances should be humbling. But that only happens on the outside. A man can sit at his train station and be begging for money and he's still very proud right there. <laughs> Humility is a state of the heart. A, 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 a humble man does not see himself, listen to these words, does not see himself as better than other people. <clears throat> he does not see himself. These are things that disqualify people from God using them. That's what I'm talking to you about them this morning. I want God to use all of us. I want us to be a group of people that God uses in various ways. In your place of work outside, in church, in everywhere you go, that God's hand rests upon you and God uses you. But these are the things that God says, when I, when I see these things, I look to that man. When I see those things, I look away. He says, this man does not think he's better than other people. He thinks in his mind, this is the humble man, he thinks in his mind, there is nothing I have that I created myself. I have only been, been blessed. I have only been fortunate that I'm able to have this. There is nothing I have that I did not receive. That's the thinking of the humble man. Many people really never get promoted in life because God knows that if he promotes you to the kind of, the kind of promotion you are looking for, that promotion will destroy you. The Bible says the riches of fools destroy them. The riches of fools destroy them. Because the way it happens is pride begins to rise in their heart. Some of us have had little things. Little things happen. Just very tiny little things. And you begin to look at yourself and say, we are better than other people. As a church, this morning, can I speak to us? As a church, do we look at ourselves in any way and say, we're better than that church down the line, or down the street? When we be, if God sees pride... If God does not see humility, God's hand cannot rest on people. God says, these are the things that determine who I look to, either corporately or individually. These are the things that determine who I look to. And when everybody begins to look at your heart this morning, 
Is there any iota of pride inside you? <laughs> the, the humble man does not think too highly of himself. Does not think too highly of himself. Does not think too highly of himself. Those are the words of scripture. Can I give you another word of scripture this morning from Romans 12 verse 16? He says, this humble man is not high-minded, but he condescends to men of low estate. That's Romans 12 16. He says, this man is, is not high-minded, but he condescends to men of low. We don't know how proud you are when you are dealing with people who are better than you. We know the state of your heart when you deal with people who, physically speaking, you are better than. Maybe you went to, you have more degrees from school, or you have more money, or you, for some reason, you are ahead. That's when we know the state of your heart. The Bible speaks about that man. He says he condescends. Everybody say with me, condescend. He, 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 it's like you climb down from your throne. You come down. He says that man condescends to men of low estate. He go down. I see it in church many times. People are, people are in even ministries, working together in church. And so somebody just feels too big. Just too big. And the truth of the matter is this. I was saying this to us, I think, two weeks ago. That there's none of us here that has actually done anything big. Even in earthly terms. There is really none of us here that has a reason to. I mean, there are people in this world who you will give it to them if they're a little bit proud. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? You know, I, I was thinking, say, say we're playing a very important football game and everything. We're going to the last minute and there's this one goal that is going to determine and this whole stadium of 80,000 people is shouting. And then you are this guy and you score the goal that makes the difference. And everybody in the stadium is shouting your name and they're shouting your name and people are running. You know, you need God not to be proud in that moment. You know, you know when you do you, you, you like this... You know, you, you, it takes God. And I can even give it to you, be proud, for a few minutes. It's okay. But I'm saying that how many of us have done things that are, that are earth-rending, life-changing? You gave somebody 10 euro and your shoulder is now like this. I'm saying to us this morning, we can condescend. Condescend to men. You, you know, God, God doesn't... Ask us to ask him to humble us. God says to humble yourself. Because there are a few examples in scriptures where God humbled people. And it's not nice. Nebuchadnezzar is one of them. He became so proud, God took him and turned him, literally, God turned him into an animal on all fours, with fours going up for me, and he was in the wilderness with animals. Thus, he is, listen to this, he still had his human spirit, had a soul. So the awareness of a human being, human beings and animals are never on the same level. So he still had this full awareness of a full human being, but God turned his experience into the experience of an animal. That's God humbling somebody. So don't let God humble you. Just do it yourself. So that's why the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. <laughs> I'm asking us this morning, one of the biggest signs of pride in a man's heart is when the man has a sense 
of self-sufficiency. A sense of self-sufficiency. Every, every pointer to self-sufficiency in your heart, I beg you, fight it. You must always have this sense of, I cannot. And I, and I know there are people that on the outside, they say it. But remember I said to you, pride and humility is a state of the heart. It doesn't matter what you're telling us. You might even be saying to us, oh, I'm very humble. I bow. I do this. It doesn't mean that you're you are, you are humble. It's, in, it's how, how do you see yourself? One of the biggest statements from the last weekend's convention was we live life the way we see life. The way we see ourselves is how we live out life. How do you see yourself? Bigger than everybody else? Better than everybody else? Higher than everybody else? I can't, I can't, I can't be talking to all those kind of... To, uh, Pastor, why did you put me with all those kind of people? The reason we come to church is to put you with those kinds of people. I can't speak English like you, but I'm a brother like you. Can I get a better amen to that this morning? Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to pastormo at thestonechurchberlin.com. God bless you.